that. Um, so we opened the centre in November last year. Um, and um, yeah, we provide sort of debt counselling um, in the Camden, Islington and sort of close surrounding areas. Um, and uh, to start off with, um, you know, no one had really heard of CAP kind of in, in our local area. So it started off quite slowly and quite a few of you were at the sort of early prayer meetings. And I don't know if you remember us praying for um, kind of, yeah, people to refer people to us. So like councils and um, and things like that. And um, yeah, just just we were just praying really for people, people to come and to be helped. Um, and uh, now um, we're, we're totally booked up. We're seeing people um, every week, which is amazing. Um, we've got a we've got a four week waiting list, um, which is which is really really good. But it it does also I guess show um, show the real need in our area um, uh, that it's a yeah it's a it's a really um, a serious problem. Um, kind of all over London, all over the UK. Cap's got like 150 centres just like ours, and they they want to keep it expanding as well um so um we're now um actually helping um 10 individuals and families um get out of debt so um all those people are, are kind of on the road to to getting out of debt um it's going to take um those families and individuals between about six months um, and two years to get out of debt. So um, no one's actually out of debt, so I can't report that yet because it's a, it's a process. It, it, it takes a long time. So, um, yeah, please keep um, those people in your prayers. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I uh, wanted to um, also kind of mention the different people that are coming to see us. So um, it's really a wide variety of, of people that are that are coming to, to see us for help. So, um, you know, we're, we've seen somebody who's referred by age concern um, and more people are coming from age concern. So that's kind of um, older people. Um, there's also uh, people referred from um, like Camden under 25 service. So um, me and Seb went to see somebody who's like 20 years old. Um, last Thursday um so it's yeah it's kind of a whole whole range of people that that need help really um and uh yeah we're getting referrals from like housing associations and and lots of different places um and uh like lots of you will have been on visits with me so you'll know kind of um the process we go and see people three times and we we find out what's going on in their situation um, and then we kind of present a solution for them but we're also um kind of there to help people until they get out of debt which, as you, as I said, could be up to like two years. So, you know, we're there to help and support people in other areas. So um, Ruth and I went to court with somebody last week um, just to kind of uh, kind of be there for her. It's a really scary process. And, um, you know, we're also there to just do really practical things like um, help people open bank accounts and, um, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's just really amazing to see God um, kind of working in people's lives. We're, we're all like almost always we're able to pray with people, um, and uh, yeah, just really um, speak about God to people. Um, and uh, yeah, last week the lady that we went to court with was just, um, you know, it's a really scary, tough process. She's not a Christian, but um, you know, she just said she really felt like God was helping her, like um, He was on her side. So it's yeah, people are um, yeah, just really being helped and. Um, and Dave Roberts is going to come and share um, just about his experience sort of supporting somebody and, and coming on visits and, and what we can be praying for for that person as well. So, um, I <laughs> yeah, so this one's kind of a story in progress. Uh, one of the 10 guys uh, who Nick. Uh, is working with, uh, I can't use his name, but I have to give it a name, otherwise I'll go a bit weird, a bit, I'll call him John. And uh, we met John uh, about a month ago now um, in this little flat, the top floor of a uh, of a block of flats on the hallway road. Um, kind of got invited in, and this guy who is just uh, very cautious, um, kind of obviously kind of uncomfortable with this kind of coming, and kind of buzzed us through, sat us down on this, this little couch, which is the only thing he had in his uh, in his room. And it turns out for the last eight years, um, after coming from Ireland, he's lived in this one place and gradually losing more and more furniture, uh, gradually accumulating more and more debt, um, and whilst on incapacity ba uh, benefits, gradually losing more and more friends and feeling more and more isolated and completely savagely depressed. 
um, all this didn't come out first time. Uh, the first time we kind of managed to sit there and, and kind of show him the material and see how he was doing. Um, and uh, he offered us a cup of tea and then started talking about um, gradually opening up about his family and uh, this Catholic family uh, who he'd come across uh, from and, and gradually started to his story. And it was shocking to me that someone who I thought, first off, we wouldn't be able to get any conversation with at all, suddenly became uh, really comfortable and really intimate and let us so deep into his life to the point where uh, the next time he, we came to see him, um, he just, you know, it was kind of like a, how are you doing? It was the, the first line to which, of course, you expect a, oh, yeah, fine, come on, to uh, actually, I'm feeling awful. This is the worst I've felt for ages. Um, I hate this place. Uh, you know, he, he started to really um, to, to get out um, and to be really uh, intimate and really honest and really frank with us. And to be able to be there for that was really um, touching, really, um, yeah, it was amazing that God would, would give us uh, the ability and the responsibility to be able to minister to that. To the point where uh, we isolated his issue, he said. I mean, we kind of came to the conclusion. He said that that he just feels completely ashamed, and yet he has such a high religious standards that, in a, in a sense, that that he um, felt so much pride in and kind of felt that other people weren't good enough. He wasn't good. You know, he he was completely ashamed and he was completely um, unforgiving and completely bitter. And um, we managed to pray with him all three times we visited, and then to tell him how the gospel takes away our shame, and tell him that the only way to get out of shame and the only way to find the strength to get over bitterness and forgiveness was because Jesus died and have a half hour conversation about directly what the cross means to this guy's life um, and it's just so easy um, and God has given us this key into these amazing uh, people and it's tough stuff and it's real stuff and it's where the, the cross is completely you know stamped down into the earth um, and so, yeah, I just want to uh, encourage you that, yeah, we asked him if he wanted prayer first the first two times. Second, third time we met him, he asked if he would, uh, if, uh, he asked if we would pray for him. Um, and now I'm going to ask if you could pray for him because, uh, you know, he's, uh, it's been really tough to get back in touch, actually. Um, he's kind of, he's very isolated. He doesn't like people over to his place. He doesn't like leaving his place. So it's a bit of a, a catch-22. Um, so if we could... Um, yeah, actually, if, if right now um, I could feel like I've done my piece. So basically, uh, get along to a visit. It's really um, important. It's a real privilege. Um, and it's really um, just, it's such an effective way to, to get deep into people's lives and to be able to really speak the gospel where it works um, and where it's powerful. Um, so I'm going to pray for John. Um, God knows who he is. And uh, if we could have a massive amen, that would be amazing. Uh, dear Lord, I just lift uh, up to you this incredible child of yours. This incredible uh, son that you love and that, that he you uh, have paid for. Lord, I pray that he would know you, Lord. I pray that, that he would go from wrath uh, into, into love. I pray that he'd go from shame into, into reconciliation and openness. I pray that you'd uh, allow Nick and I to get back in touch, Lord. We really pray tomorrow as he, we know we've got a court case that we've had about. I pray that, that you would raise up uh, elements of that conversation that we had and that you would speak and you would really be graceful in reaching out and finding uh, this, this lost, uh, lost one. And we just pray that you would uh, uh, be able to make uh, Rev a, a real haven for those who are in need. Lord, God, may this be a place where shame is broken. Uh, may this be a place where we can really bind the brokenhearted and that you can just really surround it in your love. So we lift up and we pray for everyone in the caps, okay? Amen. Um, and then if you could just generally um, keep praying for CAP. Um, if you want any more information or if you would like to come along and visit, just um, let me know. But, um, yeah, just please keep every one of these um, kind of 10 families, and it will be more as we go along. Please keep them all in your prayers. Um, yeah, please keep like people like Dave, um, who have individual relationships with people. Please keep them in their in your prayers. Um, and uh, yeah, also like I said, we've got this waiting list. So please pray that um, yeah, God will just keep people and protect them as they wait for their appointments because it's a long time to wait. And yeah, just pray that we'll be able to see more and more people and just um, make more and more impact in the community. Yeah, thanks. Isn't it great to hear what God's doing? Fantastic. Um, so one thing off the back of that, I've invited Lena if she wants to come and say something um, about a CAP event that they had. So Lena, do you want to come up? 
Okay, so um, this was in an email, so most of you probably know, but we had a CAP event which Nicola organised, um, which was on St Pancras Ware State where we live. And um, basically it was to it was a free service. So there were two CAP families, I think, that came along and there were 12 families from the estate that came along. And basically um, there was an evangelist from CAP and her husband who was a photographer. And they took photos, family photos, like the professional ones that you get, and they print them there and then and give them out to families. So it was a really nice treat that they were doing for families. Um, but then she also um, uh, preached the gospel for about 10 or 15 minutes and gave out the um, biographies, nevertheless, from can't remember his name, but the cap. Yeah, there you go. Um, and also gave out some Bibles. And uh, basically, at, from that, the response was that we had um, all the families. So there was lots of the Muslim families who um, heard the gospel preached, um, which was great. Um, uh, and I know that they were all really offended by it, but the gospel's offensive, so it was really good for them to hear it. Um, and um, they heard the word, the, um, Jesus is the son of God, quite a lot. And I know that a few times I heard them praying to Muhammad. Um, but that didn't affect anything, actually. It's brought out some good conversations from there on with these mums. And there were two mums, one's a Catholic, who um, put her hands up to being prayed for and wanting a Bible and the biography. And so she took both of those away. And me and the Cap Evangelist prayed with her. And she really met with God um, and uh, she she didn't give her life to Jesus, but she de definitely encountered God in a way that she hasn't experienced before through the prayers and was very emotional. And since then, we've had two different conversations, and um, she really acknowledges that she needs a personal relationship with Jesus, and it's what she's hungry for. But her boyfriend has said to her, um, we're Catholics and we'll always stay Catholics. And um, she said, no, I've got to read the Gospels for myself and find out what Jesus is about. So that's what she's doing at the moment. So please pray for her. And then another girl who is pregnant, and she's 20, um, and she's great. She's come along to my flat since then three times, and we've baked cakes together. And um, she's from a her, her mum's a Jehovah's Witness. And um, so basically she studied the Bible in with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and she, at the moment, thinks it's the same. So it's interesting having conversations with her, and I'm praying that, that Jesus will give opportunities for me to just show that it's not the same. Um, and, yeah, for her just to, to really meet with Jesus. So pray for her as well, because she started reading the biography and um, the Gospels as well. So, yeah, so it's amazing stuff that's going on off of the back of that. Um, and, yeah, so that's it. Right. Tom Allen, where are you? Tom Allen's going to share a little bit. Tom, take it away. Hi, um, lost my voice, so a bit husky. Um, so with Homeless Stuff, um, obviously pitched it at the Gospel Community's kind of visions evening. Uh, initially a bit disappointed, it wasn't really um, the support for that. So we, me and Ollie thinking, talking, praying about it, thinking it's not really the time for launching a of pastoral community around it but really wanting to push in with that i think we need kind of um we really need to like push in with the relationships we have with the guys at euston um there's definitely a growing ease with them with opening the bible and praying with them and having some really good times with them like for example there's a, a polish guy called thomas who's really nice and gotten really well for him and he's uh brought up i think kind of catholic and knowing the bible a bit and um He's a really kind of positive influence around a lot of the women around there. And like we had this, there's a girl there called Annie who's just moved in from the countryside. If you could pray for her, because um, she's moved to London and because she's gone to try and get onto the system, get into hostels and stuff. But if you've got no family connections with the area, they say, oh, you're not, obviously you can't help everyone. You're not, uh, we don't have any kind of duty to help you. And, but she's, she's come from a domestic abuse situation, but there's no kind of criminal record or official documents. Like, she never went to the police about it, so she's kind of stuck. And she's at a place where she's really with it. She drinks a little bit, but she's not on drugs or anything. She's really kind of there, but it could get really bad like from being in that situation. And she said to us about this Thomas guy, like, it's just amazing to have 
such a, a kind of a guy who you know doesn't try anything on you can kind of sleep next to him and he protects you and like he seems to be a really good force so we prayed with him and he's really keen to be prayed for um and yeah and he plays his guitar we've been singing some songs and stuff it's been really cool um but yeah just say i know mean, everyone's going to be really aware of gospel communities and the commitment to that um but what we'd really like to do is have a good proportion of the church in one Sunday afternoon a month to getting down to Euston for uh, one kind of one o'clock, one thirty, and just having your lunch in Euston with us instead of somewhere else. So that'd be brilliant. If we could have that, then we could get so many people involved in it. Uh, me and Ollie would really love to have kind of a, a green pastures, halfway house type thing in the future. And for that, uh, you'd need probably a team of like 10 or 12 people uh, committing to maybe a shift or two a week to kind of be there as a presence and help disciple people and support them. So in the meantime, we're both joining gospel communities uh, for places we're going to be living, but we're definitely going to be kind of seeing what God's saying come September and onwards. So don't don't think it's a lost cause. Just at the moment, it doesn't seem like the time for it. But yeah, please, please keep praying. People like Annie, Thomas, um, Sue, who was in rehab and then came out and then broke her hip and it's all kind of slowed down a lot so keep praying for them and they they've said yeah well, um like um sue i'm saying oh people are praying for you she's like yeah i know i can feel they're praying for me so that's cool isn't it thanks isn't it isn't it great to hear what God's doing through us as a church? Um, and just to be, you know, God's called us to North London to transform society, to transform lives. Um, and we're doing it as a church. We're doing it as a body. And it's so encouraging to see. Um, Seb, where are you? Seb Rumsby, make your way down. Morning. How's it going? Now, if any of you have been along to Christianity Explored over the last five months or something, then can you stand up now? Way nice one. Well, I have two, so I'm standing up. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, we have been um, doing uh, various sessions of this course called Christianity Explored. What's that? It's a um, basically it's a, a weekly meeting in an evening where we get together, have some food, and then we basically find out the claims of Christianity, not from what people say about it, what the church has to say about it, but like um, Lena's friend was saying, going back to the original source uh, text about it, reading the, the Bible for ourselves, and then asking lots of questions about it, really. Um, we did about six weeks earlier, and then we had a big break, and we've recently started it again. Um, and um, if uh, you're familiar with Alpha, it's kind of similar thing to that, really. Um, so what's been happening so far? Well, we've had about, probably overall, we've had about 30 different people coming along from uh, various walks of life, various uh, countries across the world. Um, we've had lots of questions. We've had great times of conversation. We've built up good friendships. Uh, we've seen faith growing in people. We've prayed for people. Prayers have been answered. Um, there's um, a, a lot of people out there who are, quite interested in finding out about it, quite interested in seeking um, what Jesus has to say. And um, so, yeah, it's just been great to be part of that and uh, help them on their journey. Um, so um, recently, we've um, just started again. Um, uh, back, I tried it in my house, but then when 12 people came up, it was just our lounge was too small. So we've moved on to the uh, place where we have the thing on Thursday evenings. What is it, Toriano? Yeah, Toriano Junior School. Thanks very much, Tom. And um, last week we uh, had a session about prayer. What is prayer? We also do talk. We've been talking a lot about who's Jesus. And um, next week we're gonna, uh, or tomorrow? Oh no, tomorrow we're gonna be. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> uh, we're gonna be looking at the Holy Spirit, and um, we'll be d uh, we'll be covering him for a few weeks because uh, so far there's been. Um, some great conversations and stuff, but uh, to quote um, a, uh, a hero of mine, uh, I think a little less conversation and a little more action is what we need. Um, 
So um, I'm hoping that um, when we uh, start talking about who's the Holy Spirit, I mean, because the Holy Spirit is a real distinctive of Christianity, and uh, we start inviting him along, then hopefully we can see some breakthrough. Um, I'd really appreciate your prayer uh, that, you know, we'd have a good time, we'd continue to build good relationships, uh, and that, um, yeah, I guess pray for revelation, really, because... Um, no one can see the Father unless uh, they've been, uh, it, they've had it revealed to them. And um, so, yeah, just um, just to let you know that's going on. If anyone uh, here is um, interested in coming along, then you're more than welcome. Have a chat to me afterwards. And, um, yeah, keep on praying for us. Thanks a lot. There's only one said, eh? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Torsten and Fiona, do you want to come and share? Here comes Torsten. So uh, Fiona and I are going to be adopting uh, at some stage, probably next year. And um, this is a journey that we've been on for a very long time. And it is, it is absolutely makes what we are, who we are, um, and adopting has become one and the same thing. And it's been uh, an exciting journey, um, also a very emotional journey. I was just thinking, I've, I've never been more emotional than I have, like in the last few months, on all things. It's affecting, you know, every part of my life, um, highs and lows. It's been a real struggle as well. We've both felt a lot of attack in lots of areas. Um, but also we just really feel also we, we are in step with what God has called us to. It's very much something that he's, he's drawn us into. We were th thinking the other day, even when we were first married, we, were, we talked about potentially even adopting before um, we had biological kids. We're choosing to adopt bec um, because, of, uh, because of a thing that God has, has drawn us into and a vision that he's put on. Um, us and uh, I'd just like Fiona to spend a little bit of time helping to give you um, a bit of the story and it's it's a deep story for us. So we also show you a few pictures um, and then I'll I'll round things up at the end. I'm putting my timer on so I don't speak for too long, um, and I'm not going to I'm going to speak for just under ten minutes, hopefully less, maybe eleven tops, but probably less than ten. <laughs> So don't worry, I'm checking my stopwatch. <laughs> okay, um, well our as Torsten said, our adoption journey started um, a long time ago. And in practice, it started about four and a half years ago. And we'd always felt fairly disconnected from the mandate in Scripture to care for the orphan. And so we really started asking God to give us his heart. And he began to draw us into the world of the orphan. And what we discovered was a scale and level of need that really left us completely bereft. Um, there are about 143 million orphans in the world, and um, about that's excluding child slaves and street children and other vulnerable children whose parents can't care for them. Um, there's 100 million street children on top of that, and um, other figures that I won't quote now. And today alone, about 45,000 children will become orphans, and just under 3,000 be forced into slavery of some kind. So. Um, our friend Eric and his wife, um, they went to Bolivia to adopt two twin girls with Down syndrome. And the government officials were deeply suspicious of them when they got there. And they were convinced they wanted the children for untoward reasons. And um, they um, interrogated them separately for ages in different rooms. And finally, when they went before the judge, um, he said to them, he was completely puzzled. And he said, why do you want these children? And Eric said, we want to give our life, our lives, so these children can have life. And um, that, to me, sums up adoption. And about a year after that, when he was back in the States, that same judge phoned him and he said, I have another one for you to save. Um, and so for us, it's been this awareness that the gospel, the good news of adoption, you can't experience that with falling uh, headlong into the truth that adoption is also mission. Jesus said, because as I have loved you, love others. As I have adopted you, love others. And um, we felt God wanted us to respond by adopting children who have very little chance of being part of a family. And in this country, there's about 80,000 children in the care system with huge needs. Um, but we felt God was leading us to the children of Russia. 
um, Russia's been called an orphan-making factory. So there's about 3 million street children in Russia and just about under 1 million children in institutions. Um, the normal children in Russia um, are in orphanages until the age of 17 and then they graduate out with essentially no skills for life at all and about 50% of them become criminals and prostitutes, about 30% are addicted to drugs and alcohol and about 10% commit suicide. So one in 10 integrate back into society. And then there's a special needs stream of children in Russia and about two thirds of these children are misdiagnosed and they would actually be in mainstream schools if they were in this country. And um, government officials encourage their mothers to give up their disabled children at birth. And you can have as little as one missing digit or be the product of incest to be classified as special needs in Russia. And these children are put in closed homes for life and they have almost no love. They ne don't know any meaningful relationship. And um, they, um, they closed homes mean the public don't go in virtually at all and the children never literally go outside. They don't know what it means to see the sun. So, um, and th then at 17, these children go to adult mental asylums where the conditions are unthinkable. So, um, to give ourselves capacity to adopt, we felt that um, God was calling us to give up having more birth children. And for, not so much for Torsten, but he did feel it deeply. But I think as a mother, maybe, I, I don't know, my journey has just been a lot harder. And he would probably agree with me on that in this, that that wasn't easy for me. I felt like that was a part of God's nature to have my own children. And I, although I've been blessed with two, and some people for two's enough, for me two wasn't. And um, I really wanted more of my own children. And um, we also had to count the financial cost. Uh, Inter-country adoption is exorbitantly expensive. And we were faced with the questions like, is this godly stewardship? Should we safeguard our money for other things? Um, would this money be better spent helping many orphans rather, as opposed to just one, so much money just for one Lord? And um, in Matthew, the servant boasts about what was being, what's been, his, how he safeguarded what's been entrusted to him. And the master calls him wicked. And... Um, we were convinced that because of what God had laid on our hearts, that safeguarding our money in this area was actually withholding it. Um, and in other ways, we had to count the cost. These children sometimes come to you quite traumatized and, you know, developmental issues and things. And that was a big cost for us as well. We had to count. Um, and finally, what Torsten mentioned about just spiritually. So in all these things, we felt that God was really calling us into our weaknesses and um, emptying us of all our self-sufficiencies. But then what he did was, as God always does, he moved us on and he said to me, well, have you weighed the cost of not acting? He said to Torsten very clearly, have you weighed this cost? And he began to give us a burden for the children that, um, and what the cost would look like for them. And it was, it was an unbearable burden in many ways. Um, some of you know me personally know that that was a very hard journey and it was... Um, it was harder to, I tried to run from the burden, but it's harder to run when you've seen it. And um, he said very clearly to us, you've been blessed with a burden. Um, and if you, you're my fellow as if you suffer with me. And so some people would say, oh, but his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But um, we really felt that that was more about legalism. And that's what that verse is about. And God is calling us. We are convinced that we are called to carry the burden of the orphan. Because not only are we carrying their burden, but we are carrying his. Because so many times in scripture, Jesus doesn't just claim to dwell with the afflicted. He claims to be them. And, um, but there was still this disconnect. And again, for Torsten, it wasn't as big. But for me, there was this disconnect in that I felt the joy of... Um, the. I felt like there was the choosing to obey God, but the joy of the obedience hadn't come yet. And the, the sacrifice felt like it was always greater than the reward. And there was an imbalance. And partly I thought, uh, well, maybe there's meant to be this imbalance. You know, we have all these godly longings that remain unmet one, until he returns. But then I also knew that that's not true, that the joy even now should surpass the cost, that we should feel that joy. And a Ukrainian pastor I met once, he shared with me about his little three-year-old son who he had saved off the streets and adopted. And um, this little boy imitated him in everything he did. If he ate a certain way, his, um, the, his son did. And if he spat, his son spat. And um, it was just such a picture for me of what God wanted us to do. And I thought, how does God want us to imitate him in adoption? And when I looked again at what drove God to adopt, I found the reason for why I couldn't come to that place. 
um, because what God, what had driven God to adopt was number one, he wanted to create a universe in which he could um, put his grace and on display most beautifully. So he predestined us for adoption unto the praise of his glorious grace. And when that truth hit me, I thought, wow, that's just phenomenal because he was giving us the privilege of literally putting his grace on display through adoption. And I thought, wha what, does, what would it look like if the church walked around and we said, look, this is our God. This is what our God does. And um, the second thing, the second reason God adopted is because he loved us. He, for God so loved us, he gave his son and he wasn't umming and ahhing about it. And he didn't go backwards and forwards like I did. It's because he didn't prize his own son more than he loved us. And I realized then that, um, so this reason for me not being able to actually find joy in this was that number one, I didn't... Um, Putting God's grace on display just didn't excite me enough. And number two, that I didn't love the little girl on the streets as much as I loved my own children. And I, in fact, as much as he had loved me. And when I faced the truth of this, I realized that I couldn't do it. And he had to give me a new heart. Um, and so I just wanted to end with that. Because in Romans 8, it says that um, the, the work of the Spirit in us, the proof of that is the Abba cry. And the Abba cry for, for, for me used to be like, oh, daddy, oh, daddy. But um, it's not really that. It's not some warm, comfortable feeling. In scripture, the Abba cry is Jesus crying out for deliverance. The Abba cry is railing against all the works of the devil. The Abba cry is the cry of surrender. And it's the cry of identifying with those who are suffering. And um, that's the Abba cry. That's adoption. And that's where the Spirit is leading us in Christ. And that's where Jesus has led us. Because when we stepped into well, when we stepped into that closed home in Russia, it was like the Abba cry rose within us. And when we recently faced this very real possibility that our adoption would stop, be stopped, it was initially this feeling of great sadness, and then another feeling started to rise within me, and it was of just outrage. It was of a child, a mother whose child had been taken from her, and. Um, I've never pleaded God's promises back to him like that. And I literally said, Abba, you said you'd do this. You said we must go. And you said we would, con we would look for those who contend with you and we wouldn't find them. And then I realized that God had done this most beautiful thing. And he had taken us and me to a place where we could finally pray our desires back to him. That desire was finishing what obedience had started in our hearts. And it was... This thing of, I want to adopt more than anything. I want to know you in this. And um, so that's really been the end of our journey. And the most precious truth is that even though um, he knows our pain, yes, he always has known our pain. But now we've realized if he hadn't asked us to give up something so exceedingly precious, we would never know his pain. And we now know something of the Father's pain. And this gift that we thought we were giving him is actually been his greatest gift to us because he has um, given us a little taste of his heart, the Father's heart, when he gave up his son. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. So I'm, I'm looking so forward to being a dad again, <laughs> and uh, we're expecting, you could say. And uh, there's just an, another little picture, two pictures, if you can just show the next one. This is a little girl in, uh, uh, in a Russian orphanage. Look at that smile. And uh, she was adopted by a friend of ours uh, on the next picture. Here she is with her dad, uh, who's is a, um, a family down in South London somewhere. And uh, I just can't wait until... Um, we can be parents um, and get to, to more children. I, I would, my, my deepest desire, I really hope we can adopt siblings as well. Um, and I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Um, and uh, if there's something, you know, there's lots to pray for us here. And I r we really covered your guys' prayers. Um, and also for siblings, I would just really, I'm pressing for that. And, uh, and, and bear with us on the journey. You guys are our family. I've said this before, and uh, r I really, really mean it. We need your guys' support and love um, in whatever way you can give it. We really covered that because um, it's, it's a tough journey, but it's, it's a God journey. So bear with us in this. Okay, so as Torsten said, we are family, and we want to respond to some of these things. Um, there's just a couple more um, 
things we want to share. And then we're going to um, spend a little bit of time praying for some of the things we've heard about. Um, there's a couple of our family that are sadly going to be moving on. Um, Pete, Sané, and Lauren. Where are you in here, Lauren? Lauren, if you guys do want to come up and just share briefly what you're going to be doing next, um, we'd love to pray for you guys. So here's Pete. Hello. Um, I will try and keep this brief. Um, I kind of I moved to London uh, last July, uh, and over the last year and a half, God has taken me on the most ridiculous journey ever. My heart uh, has always been uh, for the music industry. I really think that uh, music is such a powerful and divine gift, and I think for pretty much the last 100 years, certainly in popular music, the devil has had complete control of it. And there's so many lies that are being spoken into people's lives, so many lies that are being spoken into culture through it. And I've got a real heart for reaching out to people, both in the music industry and people who listen to music. Uh, and I kind of thought that was going to be through doing sound engineering. And then a year and a half ago, I met a man called Ian, who I was at university with, wrote a song uh, in 20 minutes out of nowhere that uh, was called Red, Green and Blue that was just completely taking apart modern-day culture, the lies that science is everything, that love is only made up of biology, that all we see around us is all that there is. Uh, and out of nowhere, this was being played on Radio 1. Like we, It was played on Zane Lowe. Uh, our first ever gig as a band after he called me up was a session at Maida Vale. We headlined festivals at Glastonbury, and this isn't me trying to say it to make myself look good. It's entirely God. It's mad that we got to do this. Uh, and we completely felt while we were doing it, it was completely a gift of God. And the playing live was not just as playing music, but it was complete spiritual warfare that in playing live, we were just singing out and playing against the lies of the enemy, the lies that Christians can only make rubbish imitations of music, that they can't do anything exciting and new and different. Uh, and it was amazing. Uh, and then uh, for the last six months, we uh, we just kind of felt, stuff start to slip away we start to find we start to get more focused on the music itself rather than the reason why god had given it to us and then out of nowhere we are dropped by the label and are now in a very messy battle with the record label over the copyrights of our own music uh so unfortunately the band uh for the moment is having to kind of break up which has been uh over the last two months a really hard thing to come to terms with uh as it says in the song, blessed be your name, like he gives and he takes away. And it came out of nowhere, and then out of nowhere it disappeared. Uh, so it's been a really tough journey, but for it, God's just shown me so much of his grace. Uh, and uh, so basically what I'm going to be doing is I'm moving back to Bath. I worked there for a year in a studio. Uh, my girlfriend's going to be finishing a final year of uni there. Um, so for the first time in two years, we're actually going to be in the same city, which would be lovely. Uh, and I've, out of nowhere, I've had offers for loads of freelance work, sound engineering again. There's lots of musicians there that really want to work, lots of great Christian musicians who uh, want to work with me and working on some albums. So there's lots of exciting stuff going on. The church that I was stuck into there, they're starting to build a studio on the top floor that they want me to be involved with. Uh, there's another band uh, in Bath that I'm doing sound for, who the drummer is an awesome man of God and like me has a really similar heart for just impacting the music industry uh, so it's, there's lots of exciting stuff going on but it does sadly mean unfortunately I'm going to have to leave London and even more sadly leave Rev which I am I am gutted about I'm not going to lie I'm not gutted about leaving London but I am gutted <laughs> I am gutted to leave Rev um, so yeah I just want to say a huge thank you to, to all the guys here and, and also really honour the leadership here uh, I really do think that the leadership here at Rev is amazing, and every and I've I've never been in a church where there's so much rawness and yet so much depth to their worship and to their preaching, and just to the general character of the people involved. So I just really want to honour the guys on leadership and say thank you so much. You've been an amazing support through a mad and really hard year. So thank you very much. As I said, we're going to pray for these guys in just a minute. Let's just hear from Lauren, because unfortunately she's got some similar news, but let's hear what she's going to be moving on to. Hi, I'm only going for a year, um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing Arabic at uni, and as part of my course I have to do a year abroad, so I'm off to Jordan for the year in the Middle East. 
Um, this is my last Sunday at Rev, but I'm not actually leaving the UK till August, and then I'll get to Jordan in September, doing some travelling on the way. Um, yeah, so if you could pray for me, that would be great. I don't know if I'll be able to, I definitely won't be able to join a church like this in Jordan. Um, but yeah, I'll have to see what there is on the ground when I get there. But yeah, just um, prayer for some good brothers and sisters in Jordan would be great. Um, yeah, I think that's it really. Uh, and there's one last thing we want to pray for. Um, Rocco, Rocco, who's out there playing, um, Rocco Avery is going to be going into hospital tomorrow morning for surgery. And Tom and Chloe would really like it if we could pray with them and for them as well. Uh, so I think you can hear me outside. Can you come in, Avery's, please? Hopefully the door will open. Andy, tell them to come if not. Okay, um, those of you who come to our Tuesday morning prayer meetings, um, you know how we do things. What would be great is if we could get people to stand up who have come and shared this morning. Um, so from CAP, from Homeless, from Christianity's Board and the Stouse. If you could, um, guys could stand up, maybe come and line yourselves up along the front. And we'll have Pete and we'll have Lauren and we'll have the Averys. And if you guys could please just gather around them and pray. And just listen, 1 John tells us that the battle is the Lord's and um, that he has overcome. So when we're praying, I want you to pray from a place of faith remembering that Jesus has the victory, and um, really just um, pray your best prayers, believing the best of what God can do and what Jesus has done already, and that we are to stand our ground and, and just walk in what Jesus has done. So um, as members of our family, we want to stand with these guys. I want you to pray for strength, for encouragement, for hope, for all the good gifts of the Spirit to be with them, and to just stand by them as, as their family. Is that all right? Good. Okay, so if you guys can spread yourselves around a bit, and we're going to pray for all of these guys. The Avery's have just come in as well. So please gather around, and uh, you can start praying, guys.
Lord God, we are thrilled by what you do. We are thrilled by the way you work in people's hearts and lives. We are thrilled that you don't just give us a task, but you do something in our heart. You change us. You put a hunger and desire and your longings in our heart. You share your nature with us. We thank you that what we've heard today is demonstrations of that. You share in your nature, your heart, into your people. And out of that, things beginning that bring massive eternal repercussions. We thank you for all that today represents in your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that everything that you intend in these embryonic things would come to pass. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we disperse for a break, I want us to do something that we don't do loads as a church, but it's something of a prophetic act. I would like us to um, form one of those kind of tunnels. You know those tunnels whereby you're standing opposite someone and you're reaching their hands over, yeah? And then you do it in a long line. As we were praying for Torsten and Fiona, Robert had a prophetic word about a, a mar- them running a marathon. And, um, you know, there's, it's tough and there's trials and all that, but there's this kind of cheering thing on. I want us to make a huge kind of tunnel like that. And I want Torsten and Fiona to run through it. But as they run through it, I want you to imagine you're at the London Marathon. I want to hear some r- crazy cheering. Okay? Yeah, crazy. Not, oh, oh, hope it goes well. No, right? <laughs> Cra- yeah? London Marathon cheering. And I want them, as they're running through it, to just be receiving in their spirit that, oh, this is God's heart and God's people around us calling them. So I don't know how I'm going to do it. Someone's starting this corner and just snake it around somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mind. What's best? I'm I'm not a logistics. Start here and just work it throughout that door. Then we can get the others involved that are out there. Great idea, Dave. So start here and go right throughout that door and along. And also, listen, just to say, before we do it, one more thing. One more thing. A practical announcement. Torsten and Fiona need £60,000 to adopt a Russian orphan. I'll say that again. They need £60,000 to adopt a Russian orphan. Some of you can help them. Okay, make the tunnel. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Not yet, not yet, not yet. 